Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Several years ago, uh, a, fr- a dear friend of mine who's no longer with us um, sold me a Toyota Land Cruiser, a 1993 Toyota Land Cruiser. Uh, that uh, I had been admiring for many, many years before I bought it. And uh, he needed to let it go at some point. And so he uh, said, hey, listen, uh, you, I've, <laughs> I've noticed you looking at my Land Cruiser. Would you, are you interested? I want to give you a, a first choice. And uh, I said, yes, actually, I'm quite interested. And uh, so he uh, did something that was uh, very uh, mischievous, but very strategic. Uh, he said, why don't you just take the Land Cruiser uh, and just park it in your driveway, and you just enjoy it, you drive it. He knew exactly what he was doing, and so I said, sure, I you know, uh, took, took the vehicle, drove it to my house, parked it in the driveway. And then uh, this, this little scenario began to play out on a daily basis. Uh, I would be standing in my driveway looking at this Land Cruiser, just going, at some point, uh, my sweet wife, Dana, came out and stood beside the Land Cruiser, uh, teasing me. He said, you know, if you looked at me the way you look at this Land Cruiser. <laughs> I eventually uh, purchased the vehicle. It, it was sold to me at a really, really good uh, price. And, um, and then I began to try to explain to people uh, why I bought it, because there was really no logical reason to have it other than the fact that I just like it uh, and love that year model. I will say this, though. I've never spoken to a man uh, who's ever, ever asked me why I bought the vehicle. They know why I bought the vehicle. It's this illogical uh, thing and fascination that a lot of people have about vehicles that it's just indescribable. It's not logical. You just love those vehicles. And um, I, I know I'm talking to some people here in this room who are not Land Cruiser fans. That's okay. You love and worship other vehicles we know we all worship though uh, something you know or someone or something uh, by nature uh, it's what we do we live our lives pursuing those things that we love and pursuing those things that will give us a sense of community and a sense of safety uh, we, we pursue those things and we love those things we all worship by nature it just seems to me that it would be prudent of us to figure out what kind of worship is really worth our time and energy. What really is a good use of our time? And what really is true worship? Since we all worship. John 4, verse 23 and following, uh, is incredible words of Jesus. Not that other words of Jesus are not incredible, but John 4, uh, verse 20 through 24. Let me read this to you. But the time is coming... Indeed, is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. Now, these words are, are sort of the, uh, the climactic point of the story uh, in John chapter 4. It's, a, it's an extraordinary story. It's in, it's, it's in the center of this incredible uh, scenario that's playing out here that I'll share with you in just a moment, but it is the climax, it's the turning point of the story. It's the point of highest tension and drama in this story. 
for God, verse 24, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Then the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And here's the boom moment. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Say it with me. Boom! Yeah. This is this great declaration of Jesus. You must worship in spirit and in truth. She says, when the, when the Messiah comes, we'll know where we should worship. He says, I am the Messiah. Incredible story, uh, John chapter 4. I want to ask you, if you would, uh, if you have Bibles uh, handy, and if we could turn the, the back lights of the hall on, would be great. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a chair there. Thank you, Ronaldo. Um, but look in your Bibles, and if you have smartphones with your Bible on it, just pull that up today. That'd be great. Uh, we don't judge anyone, uh, whether you're reading the Bible electronically or on paper. No judgment from New Song Family Church. So pull it up. I'm actually preaching from an iPad today. I think we're good. So pull it up. Follow along with me. John chapter 4. The story of the Samaritan woman. Jesus is moving from uh, Judea to Galilee. Uh, and he's walking. This is a long trip. Uh, this whole area was probably about 200 kilometers from top to bottom, north to south, and you could get from one end uh, of this place to the other end of the place in, in about a three-day walk. Or uh, if you wanted to avoid the Samaritans who were in the middle of this region, uh, you, could, you could walk, ride boats, you cross the Jordan River a couple of times. This would become a six-day journey. Uh, Jesus is trying to get there faster, and so he walks through Samaria and the place, the Samaritans who were, who were hated by the Jews. Uh, there was this continual tension between the Jews and the, and, and, and the Samaritans. There was this ongoing problem, but Jesus walks right through the middle of people that he's supposed to hate. However, we know Jesus does not hate the Samaritans. He walks through, and it's been a long walk. And he stops midday by a well in the shade uh, just to catch his breath. And there's a, a Samaritan woman there uh, uh, who he should not have been speaking to culturally. Samaritan woman is there midday. She's probably there because she's embarrassed to go in the morning with the other ladies. She had quite a history and a, quite a past. And she is drawing water middle of the day. And Jesus asked her this totally countercultural question of, will you please give me some water and of course the Samaritan woman instantly says you're asking for me <laughs> I'm a Samaritan woman this conversation keeps going on and says I, I need water he says if you knew who was talking to you you would ask me for water and I would give you water that would satisfy Jesus he, the Samaritan woman said well then give me this water Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I'll give him will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life, the kind of water that only Jesus gives. Please, sir, the woman says, give me this water. Give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Jesus changed the subject. He said, go get your husband. Jesus told her, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. 
Jesus went on to say, you're exactly right. You don't have a husband and the, you've had five husbands and the woman you're, the man you're living with right now is not your husband. To which the Samaritan woman responded and said, uh, you must be a prophet. And I've always read this <laughs> in, in kind of a sarcastic way. Uh, I, I don't think that was the heart of this woman to say, well, you know, well, you must be a prophet. I don't think that was really her heart, but more, more of this uh, surprise and uh, realization that he really was a prophet. Just, wow, you know my life. Because later on in the story, you see she's running to her village and saying, come meet the man who told me everything about This sparks, I think, in this lady a desire to get her life right. A, a desire to, to be forgiven. A desire to, to be whole and, and, and well again. And so she wants to go worship. She wants to find out where she can actually make a sacrifice. Where, she, where can she find God? And in the verses that pursue here, you see here that she's saying that the Jews insist that we worship in Jerusalem. It says, while my people claim that the only place to worship is on Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped. And so she's struggling to figure out where, where should I worship? Where should I get my life right? Where can I find God? And that's where Jesus then answers and says, the time is coming, and indeed is now, when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. The geography has changed, inviting her to a, a new reality that, that worship is not geographical. Worship is not in a building necessarily, but that worship is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what she, he ultimately leads her to, is in, to be in fellowship with him to be in relationship with him to worship him. We all worship, right? We all worship. From the most religious to the most secular, all people value something high enough to build their lives around. It may be God, it, it may be money. But what makes it worship is the driving power of some cherished treasure that shapes our emotions and will and thought and behavior. We all worship by nature. When Jesus meets the Samaritan woman, they immediately speak about worship because that's what she's truly interested in. Where can I find true community? Where can I find safety? Where can I be whole again? We all chase after those things that will give us that kind of safety, that will give us that kind of community. I love uh, Simon Sinek's uh, take on this in his book, Leaders Eat Last. It's a great book if you haven't read it. I highly recommend it. But he talks about that even our biology uh, is wired in such a way that we pursue those things that will give us that kind of community and safety. Uh, our, our body secretes these incentives in our body. We chase after these things. Uh, you may have heard of the chemical called endorphin. Have you heard of this before? Uh, it's, it's what runners and athletes chase uh, to get that high. They call it the runner's high. Uh, endorphins, basically, their job is to uh, to take away the pain uh, that you feel uh, when you are chasing uh, after something, whenever you're running. Uh, but that pain that goes away and you feel this great feeling of accomplishment 
that's from endorphin. Have you ever heard of the, the, the chemical dopamine? Now, all, all these are in our bodies anyway, but endorphins, dopamine, dopamine is the reason for the good feeling we get when we find something we're looking for or do something that needs to get done. Uh, it's what drives us to, to hunt, to gather. You know, from uh, generations of our people, this has is, is driven us to go and pursue and eat. Uh, find, hunt, kill, cook, eat. Uh, one way we get dopamine is, is from eating. Uh, and some of us cherish more dopamine than others. Um, speaking of myself here, don't take that personally, right? Which is one reason we enjoy eating, right? Is because of this dopamine that's released once we have the satisfaction of a good meal. Is it? Oh, yeah, we, dopamine is released, by the way, in many other endeavors. Uh, but it is something we chase after. It's that good feeling of satisfaction. Yes. There's also this other one that uh, drives a lot of us. It's called cortisol. Uh, cortisol is a very interesting chemical that all of us can produce. Uh, but it's, it's basically God's uh, gift to us to alert us of danger. And it's that sort of what I would call the anxiety chemical. Uh, it's an interesting, very interesting uh, chemical that, that protects us. It's, it's meant to, to create alarm and alert and to get us to, to move away, to either fight or, 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 or run from danger. Uh, I don't know if you ever do any game driving, uh, seeing game, but all of us have probably seen this in nature where you're looking at, a, especially in the movie, you're looking at a group of springboks or you're looking at, a, you know, whatever you're seeing. And then it, it, it's almost like every single one of them gets the message at the same time that they just bolt. You ever seen this? Where you're watching, they're looking at you, and then all of a sudden they all agree at the same time, that's danger, and they move. They run. You've seen it with birds, right? Birds will come all together, and all of a sudden they all agree at the same time to leave uh, when you walk up. Cortisol, it's this thing that makes us go. Cortisol is not supposed to stay in our systems, though. Uh, it, it's supposed to fire off when we sense a threat and then leave when the threat is passed, and for good reason, because the stress of cortisol in our bodies is serious. And, and for a lot of us, uh, chasing after whatever we're chasing after, we live in a constant state of cortisol secretion. We live in anxiety. And sustained secretion of cortisol in our bodies uh, will cause major physiological, biological problems in your, in your life. And your body. Your body cannot sustain long-term anxiety. Your body's not wired that way. We really are, most of us are chasing ultimately for serotonin. Serotonin is uh, that feeling of pride. It's that feeling of accomplishment. When you've done something, all of a sudden you feel like, man, I have arrived and you have attained the respect of your peers. Uh, it's that, it's that, that we chase the incentive to be popular, to be recognized, to be respected. It's that feeling we have when we, we feel like we are respected and loved and it increases our confidence. So we chase after jobs very often because we want that serotonin. We want to feel that we are respected, that we have purpose. Serotonin. Uh, the one most people chase after, though, is oxytocin. Uh, oxytocin is, isn't this great chemistry on Sunday morning? It's just looking at all your faces going, yeah. <laughs> This is the last chemical, just in case you're, yeah. Oxytocin is most people's favorite chemical. Uh, this is the feeling of friendship, love, deep trust. It's a feeling we get when we're in the company of our closest friends or trusted colleagues. 
It's the feeling that I hope you got when we were singing, we were singing How Great Thou Art this morning. Now, there's one thing for one person to sing How Great Thou Art in a group this size, uh, and, and it's a beautiful song. But I can tell you right now that those who are leading worship this morning are more moved, not just by one person singing How Great Thou Art, but that when we were all singing it together, it's the community of, of, of singing together uh, that means the most to us. And, and I believe that for, for most of you this morning who were, who were experiencing the songs this morning, you were hoping that we would all be together. Whether it's all of us raising our hands together or whether it's all singing loud together, we're looking for the community that comes as, as we are united together lifting up our praise to, to God the Father. There's something very special about that, and we long for that. We long for the safety and community of, of bowing before the Father together. Worship. That's oxytocin uh, that God has given us. This is God's chemical that he puts in us, and we, we drive for that. We strive for that, that safety and community that we experience. I mean, clearly, I hope anyway that most churches are not leading us in music just because of the beauty of the music or the, the creativity and style of, of those who are able to sing well and play their instruments well. We're, we're going for something that, that brings us together before the Father in worship. That's what we're looking for. We're all driven by this need for the safety and community to worship. We will chase after what will give us the greatest feeling of belonging and safety. We wire our lives that way. Sometimes we settle for endorphin only. We just work out. We don't hang out with people. Sometimes we settle just for, for dopamine or serotonin. I, I've never heard anyone who is actively chasing after cortisol, that anxiety. I don't, I don't know that person. I've had people tell me that they love to chase after that kind of anxiety keeps them alert. I don't believe them, though. Um, we're chasing after ultimately what will bring us into the safety of this community. That's what we, those are the things that we worship and love. It's no surprise that in the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, that ultimately uh, the whole uh, process and, and movement of this story brought them to a point of salvation where they discovered the Savior, where they truly discovered what worship was to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at John 4, 4, verse 42. This is at the end of the story here. Uh, all the village people, all the people that she had run to and, and announced, hey, come meet the person who told me everything about me. Uh, come. This is what they say. They said to the woman, now we believe. Not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. We've experienced this community. We've been in his presence. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. This is worship. We worship that which we believe will give us salvation, that which will bring us into community, a place that we will find the greatest safety and community. Those are the things that we worship. Revelation 7, ultimately, we're going to be standing before the throne. Every nation will be gathered together before the throne, right? Is coming. Revelation 7, 9. All the nations will worship. And this is, what, this is what we will be saying to the Father. And they were shouting with a great roar. What are they shouting? Salvation 
comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. It's, it's the safety in the presence of God, the community before the throne, the safety of salvation. We are saved. Our lives have been spared. We have been saved. And that's worship, right? Just think about this. 24-7, someday, if we are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to be standing before his throne and you're going to be shouting, salvation comes from our God. Because that's what you've longed for. Your entire experience, your entire world has been wrapped up in this desire to ultimately find this safety and community. Salvation belongs to our God. It's why we sport. It's to, we want to be in community, to belong. Yes, we chase the endorphins, but ultimately we want the community of sport. It's why we date. It's why some live together. It's why some marry. It's why we drink, lie, cheat. We think somehow this is the quickest way to comfort, safety, and peace. Now, please feel free to sort through that list I just gave you. Uh, there's... <laughs> you'll see, you know, some sin and some not sin in that list. Yes. I lumped them together to, to make a point. Uh, this longing motivates every choice that we make. This longing for safety and community, this longing to where we worship because we're looking for that which will give us the safety and community. And, and every, everything we do is worship to some degree, whether sin or not sin. We all worship by nature. So don't you think it seems prudent that we would try to figure out what kind of worship is really worth our time and energy? Only Jesus can help us with this. Worship is only possible exclusively through a relationship with Jesus. This is why this is such a radical statement to the Samaritan woman. So when the Messiah comes, she says, he'll explain all this to us where we should worship. And he goes on to say, well, I'm here. I'm the Messiah. I am the Messiah. Ultimately, this story, the disciples come back who are getting food. They come back. They see Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. A scripture tells us this really kind of funny to me, but uh, they dared. They were wondering why he was talking to a Samaritan woman, but they, the Bible tells us that they dared not ask him why. It said it wasn't the right time to have that conversation. Why are you talking to her? No, that's what they wanted to do. They did not. The woman left her jar by the well and she ran. She ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Is what she says. So the people came streaming from the village to see. And then the disciples who had just bought food says, you want some food? Still not really tracking with what was happening at that moment. And Jesus said, you know what? Um, I, I'm not hungry. And they thought, well, what kind of food have you eaten? He says, I, I have a kind of food, Jesus says, that you know nothing about. He, said, he goes on to say, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. He goes on to talk about the incredible joy of seeing people discover the Messiah. Jesus says, what joy, this is in verse 36, if you're following along in your smartphone or your Bible, what 
Joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it is true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you get together the harvest. There is this incredible joy and nourishment that comes when people experience Jesus, when they experience the Messiah. And Jesus is saying, look, I, I, I am full because I've seen someone discover what true worship is. I've seen someone come and discover a relationship with me. True nourishment, true satisfaction only in Jesus Christ. Look, look what John 14, verse 6 says. John 14, verse 6. This is the declaration of the non-prophet, the Son of God. This is what he says. If you ever still wonder if Jesus is just a good prophet, no, no, no. Look what he says about himself. And this has never been said about a prophet. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This is the declaration of Jesus himself about himself. He is the only way, the truth, the life. And the invitation to the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, was to say, hey, I am the secret to your life. I'm the secret to your safety and to your community. Worship me. No longer are we going to quibble about whether we worship on this mountain or in this building or in this place or with this song. Or We center around the person of Jesus Christ. And we can all get stuck here. We can all say, well, actually, true worship only happens in that building or with those people or that denomination. You know, if they had just raised their hands more, we would believe they were truly worshiping. You know, if they were just a little more still and reserved and reverent, we would believe that they're truly worshiping. You know, if they just share the gospel more, we would truly believe that they're worshiping. We have these definitions of what worship really is, but truly, true worship is when you are genuinely, truly in love with the Messiah, not with your Land Cruiser but in love with Christ himself and in relationship with him. That is worship. And it's only possible through him. The only way we can truly, truly connect to our creator is through Jesus Christ. True worship is exclusively through salvation in Jesus Christ. And once we have that, that truth issue of only Christ, only Jesus is the pathway to God. Then we adore him genuinely from our hearts. We worship him with our spirits. We praise him, we love him genuinely, and we deepen our relationship with him. That is to worship him in spirit and in truth, to worship God through the reality that only Jesus can save us and to be in love with him genuinely, to be authentically in love with him. That's to worship him in spirit and in truth. The fact of the matter is, is that at some point, every one of us will discover this reality that Christ and Christ only. And, and we will bow our knees to him at some point. All of us, all humanity will recognize that Jesus Christ is exclusively the only way. This is going to happen. Look what Philippians 2 says. Because of the humility and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, this is what God has done for Jesus. Philippians 2 verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all 
other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is what? Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And there is this absoluteness about God through Jesus that determines that worship is inevitable for all people. Can I say this again? There's this absoluteness about God through Jesus that we only meet him through Christ. And the absoluteness of who he is, this determines that worship is inevitable for all people. We will be, it will be required of all people, either before or after death, but they will bow their knee to Jesus Christ. Scripture points us into the direction to get this right now. When, when, when it's a gift to us to be saved because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, to humble ourselves and discover that he is the Messiah, like this, the woman at the well, to say, yes, okay, yeah. It's no longer about these other things I'm chasing, whether it's this mountain or that church or that congregation, it is Christ, Christ only. And he says, now is the time for salvation. In his kindness, he offers us salvation. Now, while we are alive, the offer is for us to discover truly what it is we're chasing after. That is that, ah, that safety and community that only happens in Christ. It is prudent of us if we chase after that. Not money, but chase after him. Satan, Satan's greatest temptation to Jesus was that he would worship him. Jesus said to Satan in the middle of his fast in the desert, this is what he said, Matthew 4, verse 10, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, uh, for the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. There's this, exclus this exclusiveness about only Christ and only through Christ that we discover true worship. True worship is worshiping him. And from the sincerity of the deepest part of our heart, loving him with everything because of the truth that has set us free. Revelation 7, verses 9 through 12. I alluded to it earlier. Let me give you the full picture here. Uh, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count. From every nation and tribe and people and language, that, that's everyone standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and Held, held palm branches in their hands and they were shouting with a great roar. You want to say it with me? Shouting, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. This is our future if we're children of God. We will be standing before Him and shouting, salvation comes from our God. I think for many of us, we struggle with this picture. Can't imagine what this would like will be like someday. That's why the song is written, I Can Only Imagine. I'm sure it was inspired by someone who did not really know what it was going to be like. But we do have some pictures in Scripture that, that points us in what this might be. We know that it, it'll be a, a place of extraordinary love. Uh, it, it would be wrong for us to, to think that somehow this love that we feel here and we enjoy that's really not been perfected yet is somehow just going to stop once we're standing before God. 
Now, this, this love actually will increase, and it will be perfected. I don't know if you've ever been in love before, um, but I certainly have, and I can tell you right now that when you're in love, all you can think about is that one that you're in love with. You are consumed, and you want to say, oh, I love you. You're amazing. You're beautiful. I couldn't stop thinking about you. And you can't say it enough, right? I love you. I love you. I love you. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Oh, I just love you. Oh, I love you. I love your eyes. And we become kind of goofy, right, when we're in love. Yeah, it's just like, oh, gosh. Yeah. We stay up all night. Uh, we just, man, we're fascinated by this person we're in love with. This is the picture of, of heaven, is that we are adoring the one who sits on the throne. I believe that this love will just get bigger and bigger and bigger up to the point where it's been perfected before the throne. And so it will be easy for us to praise him 24-7. We will want to because he's worthy. We'll be absolutely amazed by who he is and in love with him. Heaven is described as a place with streets of gold, pearly gates, mansions. One description of heaven is that there'll be no need for electricity, for ESCOM and for you know other types of... Because Jesus himself will light the place up according to scripture, he'll be the light that shines everywhere. Jesus will keep the lights on. This is what we're headed towards. So we are getting ready for that moment. We will worship him 24-7 and before his presence. So we begin now. We begin now. What's the best way to worship? The best way to worship is to, to begin with saying, okay, Lord, I receive your gift of salvation. I come, I know you are the only way to the Father, and therefore I say yes. And we place faith in Jesus Christ. We confess that he is Lord. We confess that he died and rose again. The Bible says when we confess this, we believe in and place faith in him, that he comes and makes his home in our hearts. That's what the Bible says. Community begins. Jesus makes our heart his home. And ultimately, he prepares a home for us with him. That's where we're headed. But Jesus comes and, and lives in our heart, the Bible says. And then we begin to root deeply in his love. You see this in Ephesians 3. Jesus throughout scripture of this Jesus coming and making his home, making you his home. What an extraordinary picture of community, family. This is, this is salvation is to be in that fellowship with the Father. So we begin there. Uh, this free gift is for everyone who, who believes. That's what Scripture says. Undeserved gift of salvation as we place faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you begin your point of worshiping with truth. You say Jesus is the only way. And you submit to him. And Jesus becomes your Savior. Then we begin to adore him. We begin to worship. We begin to uh, increase our love for him. We remain in him. We abide in him. We begin to anticipate heaven 
this other place that's better than where we are right now. We begin to, to shoot for eternity. We set up our lives knowing that that's ultimately what's coming. So we anticipate this sweet, incredible place of deep affection. And we increase our affections for him after we become a child of God. We just increase this and this increases, increases. So finally it's perfected and we're standing before the throne and loving him. In the meantime, too, we, we give our bodies to God. We give everything to him. We stop chasing after money. We chase after him. We're told in scripture that you can't serve two masters. You can't serve money and God. God says, come to me, seek after me, and all these things will be added to you as well. Put him as the priority. This is what Romans 12 says. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he'll find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. That's what the Bible says, is by giving of our entire selves to him, not just singing an occasional worship song, but it is serving him with our whole, we sacrifice ourselves for him. All of us, every aspect of us, we obey him, like Rico said earlier in worship. We, we serve him. We serve his causes. So we love each other. We serve each other. We share the gospel. We try to expand his kingdom. We arrange our lives around whatever he wants. Verse 2 of Romans 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. A, 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 a true worshiper of God does not adjust his life around this world, but adjust his world around Christ. What God wants. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. This will tune you into the radio frequency that broadcasts the will of God. Oh, Yes, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> it. It tunes you in to his voice. You want to know how to hear the voice of God? Give yourself as a living sacrifice to God and you'll begin to hear with a crystal cl clarity that you've never had before. It'll be so clear what you should do because God will speak to you. God is already speaking, but maybe we're just not listening. Rome, uh, Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The invitation of true spiritual worship, to worship in spirit and in truth, is to shift our affections away from the culture and understanding of this world to a living Savior. And for a lot of us, this is a difficult choice we're going to have to make. But I'm telling you, the safety and security that you're chasing after with money is so much sweeter in the presence of God. You can have this whole world, the Bible says, but lose your soul. True worship is done in spirit and in truth as we become a child of God through Jesus Christ. We increase our affections for him. We engineer our life around just loving him more and more and more to ultimately we stand before the throne. And I can tell you, 
that God tells us and promises through Jesus Christ, then ultimately he will present us before the Father as complete. He is capable of taking us from salvation all the way to sanctification, all the way to presentation before the Father. To that day when we see him face to face, when we just adore him, worship him. We all worship by nature. Don't you think it's time to figure out the best way to do it? Aren't you tired of worshiping everything except for what satisfies? Aren't you tired of chasing after things that do not give you safety or community? Why do you want to waste another second loving and cherishing what does not give life? Jesus invites you to the Messiah, just like he invited the woman at the well. He says, come. Come. Only him. Only him. That's the invitation to you, to me, today. That we would love him. That we would increase our affections for him. And that we would come to him through his son, Jesus Christ, who paid a tremendous sacrifice for us. That we could have life. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Jesus is the only way to safety, to community, to all those things that you chase after anyway. He's the way, the truth. Let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. Let's pray. Father, we love You. But Lord, we know we don't love You as much as we need to. Lord, we know we don't love You as much as we will when we stand before Your throne. Lord, thank you for salvation, Father. Thank you for, for pausing in a hot day and speaking to the Samaritan woman. Lord, thank you for the life she found. Thank you for the life that that entire community found because they met you. We praise you, Lord, that you have preserved this story for us in Scripture. Lord, may it inspire us today to, to be ones who run after you, who chase after you. Lord, may we worship you truly in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. This is Rico Veca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.